You're listening to Soccer Talk in the Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association. Uh, back yet again for another edition of Soccer Talk in the Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association. In the lovely boardroom with me, we have the technical director of the club, Sean Lother. Sean, how you doing? Very good, you? Good, good. We have the community director, Deagle Vender. What's going on? On the line, yes, he's on the line. Uh, Dano Drummond, the Phoenix director. Dano, how you doing, buddy? I'm good, how are you? You know, I rock. And who am I? I'm just D-Dub. Uh, <laughs> I'm the goalkeeping director for the club here, too. And we've got a, a, a show full of stuff to talk about. There's so much going on. You've had Canada going and playing games for qualification for the Olympics. Canada men's team qual- trying to qualify for the World Cup. You've got Euros are on now. You've got the... Um, You've got the Copa America on now, which I didn't print out because who's watching the Copa America anyway? Um, No, that's terrible. I I shouldn't say stuff like that. That's just being mean. Uh, And then, of course, we've got the incident that happened uh, last week uh, that we will chat about, the Christian Erickson um, thing. And, of course, I mean, by the time everybody hears the podcast, they'll know the results of the uh, Denmark-Belgium game anyway, so we can talk about that as well. All of that coming your way, but to start things off, we will have a chat about what's going on because we've started as far as the club goes. You know, pandemic rules, all that sort of stuff have been lifted, at least to a point where we're now training with teams. We're no longer in the eight and two scenario, and we're actually going to be able to get into uh, a league scenario. So let's let's. I'm going to throw it right to you, Sean, and and just give us this over an overall update of. Uh, what the club can expect and what we're what we're going to be doing and all that sort of fun stuff. I'll keep it brief uh, so that uh, Dee and Dano can talk about their programs, but it's obviously fantastic that the kids are now starting to play the, the game semi-normal. It's not fully there, but they still have to wear masks to get to the park, etc., be physically distanced on the bench and all that sort of stuff. But... I mean, give an example. Last week, uh, the first day, we had the community program, the uh, preseason training that we were doing with the kids, and Dee, yourself, and I were out there, and we let them play a game, and it was <laughs> bedlam, and they absolutely <laughs> loved it, and it was pouring of rain, and we were all freezing, but the kids had such a blast, you know, getting to interact with other players, etc. So that's the big news. Uh, hopefully, things will continue to improve, and we'll be fully opened in July. Uh, but everyone is so excited about uh, getting out to play. Yeah, I, I mean, you, you can see it. We could see it on the faces of the kids when they were, they're out there mucking around in the rain. <laughs> I mean, it, it reminded me a lot of, uh, and I'm sure it reminded you a lot of our days in BC when, uh, you know, it's torrential downpour for a week. Yeah, <laughs> lots lots of games like that where you're, you're muddy when you come off the park and uh, that was great. And unfortunately in Alberta, that never happens because they close the fields and get a, a bit of rain. You well, know? And it's funny because, Dano, you've mentioned this in the past of how how little of a chance that a lot of the kids here in Alberta get in regards to playing when it's raining. Totally. And it's not, not to say we don't get our, our thunderstorms and our rain, but I remember growing up plenty of times, especially when you're in tournaments and they got to get the game in, that the rain's pouring and you get to play and it's just, it's the best. It's some of your best memories growing up and, and playing the game, right? So um, I, I can kind of jump in just to let you know how things have been going with Phoenix. We've had 
our groups up at the training center with Millennium. PDP's been going um, thick and fast, which has been great, led by Kurt Bosch. And there's been a couple days where it's been raining and it's a little bit later in the day and we haven't been ripping up the turf, but it's been awesome. Kids have loved it and not just from you know, a standpoint of them not getting out there because of COVID, that's part of it, but just enjoying being with their friends, playing the game in the rain, something they don't get experienced because usually, as you guys know, there's a bit of rain, fields are closed, practices are cancelled, teams are cancelled, so um, that's been great. I've also really enjoyed, um, with the delayed start, there's been a really big collaborative effort with a lot of our groups, um, setting up exhibition games amongst themselves. Our 04s played our women's program, um, our 05s are setting up a game with Melendez's group. There's just, there's lots of groups. Um, Muscozzi and our 05 girls are going to be competing against each other. So they're taking it amongst themselves just to get friendlies going and let the kids play. So it's been a really good collaborative effort, which is what we want to see. So the kids are enjoying it and so are the coaches. Yeah, just getting on the pitch has been absolutely fabulous. And by the way, a couple of years, a year and a half of pitches just sitting. <laughs> Lush. The fields are gorgeous here. They're just Sherwood like Park. Wembley. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wembley. They're absolutely gorgeous. Um, sliding over to the community side, D, how have yeah, uh, things been going? Obviously, we've started. Yeah, it's been amazing. I mean, you know, being on the pitch with you guys the other night, um, it was the same day that uh, they, they opened up for us to be able to get into contact training. So I don't think the county was on board with closing the fields that night. You know? <laughs> <laughs> they would have they would have gotten some some stern emails from uh, from some some of our groups. So yeah. yeah, it's been good. But wow, what a whirlwind start here for community. Um, we've you know had the the quickest turnaround to to get a season started that we've ever had. And I just want to give like a round of applause credit everything to Rachel, Dean, uh, Debbie, the administrative staff for, you know, working tirelessly to, to get uh, teams made and, and get the, the websites updated and, and putting, putting, putting work into um, having the program up and running. And, you know, I spent some, some time finding, you know, the final coaches for, for the community program. And, you know, we started up last week, Saturday, uh, Richard Espinoza, TL was out with our U4s and, and, you know, was, uh, had some good conversations as the first days go, pretty a little bit of a rocky start, but I mean, you know, that's how everything goes with U4 <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> um, and then we were on the pitch uh, this week. Um, we brought in Matt Oosterhouse uh, to, to help us in the community program this year. So he's going to be taking the lead of, our Monday um, U7 groups and then our Wednesday um, U11 groups, and he's going to alternate with them. But, yeah, we're, we're, we're kicking off. I had some some good um, conversations with our coaches and our coaches in service, um, some some great emails as well back and forth about um, um, how about how the setup and things were going. So, it's yeah, we're, we're kicking off. I've had an opportunity to be out with our U7s on Tuesday and and uh, be out again with, with the U9s today and, and just excited, but just like everybody said, we're we're able to play games. We're able to be out there. We've got amazing volunteers again this year that are, uh, you know, I haven't had a chance to engage with uh, on the field the last couple of days, and it's just, it's just gra- It's just awesome to be back. Yeah, you know, you like, know what? It's a tireless effort that's put out by all the people involved at the club to try and make things work. And then you throw in that wrench of, of the pandemic and, and having to worry about what the AHS says and then following up what the um, ASA says. 
and and then it comes all the information comes to us and then we have to plan and program a season for for community and and for the phoenix side of things never an easy task and can't thank the people here enough for for making sure that things are organized and that we can go so if you're out there uh, and listening to us as i know you are in um, uzbekistan um <laughs> just know that we're trying to you know we just try and get things going as best we can and, and, and make sure it works. And I think for the most part, I think 99% of what goes on is fairly smooth. I don't even go just as far as saying, like, once you get out there, I'm sure 100% of it is is smoother than you really think it is um, as far as reality goes. So, yeah, very happy that this has uh, worked out and that we're actually uh, doing some uh, some business on the field now. Yeah, like just to put things in perspective for everybody, we normally have weeks and weeks to get planning and everything ready, but... The turnaround was days. It was oh yeah, days. It for was sure. Like we found out on a we found out on a, on a Thursday, and then we had to make sure we we clarified registrations by the Monday, and then, you know, that Saturday we were starting. <laughs> yeah, and, and but so, the, the beauty of that the beauty of that was, was that insane. it was the eight and two yeah. as far as our starting point went. So that was we had kind of done that prior to um, us, you know having this whole shutdown and stuff like that. But it, it's, it's been a really good, good scenario all around. Could you have a quick break? Yeah, we can, you know what, we can take a quick break. So for all of you listening, tune in, we're going to be uh, jumping into some real heavy, well, not super heavy stuff, but we'll, we'll jump into some things uh, pretty quick here. When we come back, you're listening to soccer talk on the park, the official podcast of the Sherwood park district soccer association. Uh, we'll be right back. Today's podcast is sponsored by Mr. Lube, taking care of your car on your schedule, not ours. Mr. Lube. And we're back. Yes, quick little break for you guys out there. Hopefully it wasn't, uh, you know, too long and you waiting for us to come back because we're here. Uh, you're listening to Soccer Talk in the Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association. And um, we're going to get into something. I said it was going to be a little bit heavy, but it's it's not heavy. It's very enlightening at the end of the day, but it really puts into perspective sports and life in general. And, and this, of course, I'm talking about the, the incident that happened during the Denmark-Finland game um, in the Euros 2020 and the Christian Eriksen incident where... The gentleman just collapsed on the field. We're talking about a 29-year-old man who's at the peak of fitness um, and has a cardiac arrest and just drops on the field. Um, things were extremely scary. It's all playing out on television. It's all playing out in front of a, a crowd of about 20,000. And um, everybody was speechless. I mean, it, there was silence, a hush over the crowd. And uh, hush over everybody watching this as it as it unfolded. Um, now I'll be honest, I I had recorded the game. I was I was working. I wasn't able to be there to watch the game. But I know um, D and Dano, you guys were actually texting back and forth when this happened. So I'll let you guys sort of chime in and chat a little bit about it. I mean, and for those of you who don't know, Christian Eriksen is obviously a pro player with Denmark as with, with his national team. But he's been with a whole pile of unbelievable clubs. He was with Ajax. He's with Tottenham Hotspur, which, of course, is Dano's favorite club, and currently mm -hmm. currently with Inter Milan. So I'll let you guys chat about it. 
Yeah, I'll, yeah. Let, I'll let Donald um, jump in first. Yeah, D and I were actually able to connect about it uh, later on and chatted uh, later on in the day about it on the phone, and it was it was wild. I, I, I saw it live, um, and it, it was funny. You couldn't really register what happened, and um, I was texting buddy, somebody at the time, and I thought he had just kind of did a bit of a diving header because the ball went out for a throw in and then quickly realized I'm like, something's not right. And you, you kind of think, okay, maybe it's, maybe it's a concussion. Maybe it's, you just, your just head doesn't go there. Right. So mm-hmm. for brief Muamba happened in 2012 and that was Bolton versus Tottenham. Um, another game I was watching at the time, but um, yeah, it was, it was surreal and it was, I'd say it was numbing. It was, it was very scary. Um, I had a couple of people for me at the time, just, you know, we were watching the game and just chatting footy and we were both kind of just sitting in silence like it, and you could see the reactions of the fans. And I think the biggest one is the players, right? Cause they're down on the field and that's what you're trying to gauge your reaction on is their face and how they're reacting to it. Um, I just think I'm, I'm so relieved everything that he came through and, um, he's fit and he's healthy. And I think you nailed it. DW it just puts things in perspective, right? Even for these professional footballers, um, probably another segment is to talk about the game getting resumed and should that have happened or should it not have um, definitely feel like they should have been given time because that's going to affect you. But um, credit to the Danish team and to the captain and rallying around and um, giving privacy and everything like that, because you just, you just don't realize that, you know, some of those things can happen. And I think credit needs to go to the ref and the medical staff. I made a comment to a friend I said, you know, it was quite lucky. The, the camera zoomed in, zoomed in on Erickson at the time because there was a through ball played and he was trying to run on the end of it and got cleared for a throw in. So they zoomed in on him, made a comment about him, zoomed out. And then it, he was going to receive the throw in, right, to re- control it. And then he started to stumble forward. And I just said, you know, if the throw had been on the opposite side of the field where the fourth is in the benches and everyone's watching the throw in or if it was a corner, whatever the case is, and if he was on the other side of the field, it, it might have taken – you know, 20, 30, 40 seconds for people to realize. Because sometimes you see a player down the opposite side and you're not alerted to it right away. So I, th- I think that was a little bit fortunate as well is that he was right where the ball was and all the action that they could, you know, give attention to him right away. But super relieved he's okay. But it was it was something you never want to experience, even as a fan that's thousands of miles away just watching it. I think it affected a lot of people and you could see that through the world of sport and through the game of people reaching out to him. Totally, totally. Yeah, it was it was just absolutely shocking for sure. Um, you know, being able to to watch it back and and kind of see the moments where exactly what you talked about him kind of circling back to for a throw in. Um, you know, but it's it's insane. You know, it's insane what can happen and and you know about life. You, you were talking about we're not just talking about a, a regular person here. We're talking about a a, a top 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 um, athlete and, and soccer player who is probably. You know, one of the fittest that uh, you know people that can can be out there, and it's just it's just insane how um, you know something like can happen like that, and and you know it was it was surreal when you, you you're watching and and you're seeing the the medical staff out there, and they're doing chest compressions and 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 they're out there with the defibrillator, and you're just like, all you can only think about is like let this guy be okay. Like the whole soccer and the whole the whole playing and all that stuff is like secondary. This guy has to just be okay and and I, yeah, it was it was an absolute shocking moment. But like you said, it was brilliant by everybody to to make sure that they got the medical staff on the field. The ref stopped the game and and they were able to 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 work on him and 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 
then we got that good news. Um, you know, the moment when um, Schmeichel ran, runs over to his wife and his wife is standing in the middle of the pitch with one of the, uh, with one of the coaches or managers or, or something like that, and he goes over and, and you can see that moment where there was a, that relief and and him notifying them and there's the Danish players all oh, what a, like first class to try to give him some privacy and that that whole entire incident you can see it kind of galvanized um you know the the group of the Danish group but also like you mentioned it was an utter shock for both teams and I'm not sure if I was a player um in that moment, if I could be, if I could go on, if I seen my teammate, my friend, my 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 countryman, uh, in a in a moment like that. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if you've ever been, had incidents like that yourself. Or? No, not at, not to that extent. Yeah. I mean, I've had a couple of bad situations where people got horrifically injured, but yeah. not not a heart attack or cardiac arrest. Mm. But to Dano's point, you know, it is lucky that it was right there where the ball was because if that happened away from the ball. With the new rules, the refs continue play unless it's a head injury. Yeah. So it could have been two, three minutes until mm-hmm. someone went there, right? If yeah. it wasn't mm-hmm. really there. So extremely lucky. Um, I mean, I've got chills down my spine thinking about that occurring if you're a player yeah. to, to you yourself. But even as a teammate... How do you react to that? Well, you could see you it know? in Schmeichel's face. You, you could see it in yeah. particular when they had to start going into the chest compressions oh, and, and, and performing that, uh, you know, that whole process of trying to resuscitate somebody. You, you could see the look on his face, the anguish of, oh, my God, he, he may not make this. He yeah. may not make it. So I'm, I'm shocked yeah. that they played, continued the game. Oh, I am too. I mean, I, and, and to your point, Dano, should they have played it? I, I truly, most of the people out there have, have suggested that the game should never have been played. Like delay it, mm-hmm. delay it a week, delay it at mm-hmm. least because they were going to play it the next day as well. But now you've mm-hmm. had a chance to sleep on it, and and it's still going to be in your head. Only now mentally, it's even worse because you've had a chance to sleep on it and truly well, think yeah. about the importance of life. You know, a, a Danish player was quoted in the media today saying, "You know, their their options were limited. It was there was rumors that they were, you know, would have to forfeit." They resume the game then within an hour, 90 minutes, or they um, play at noon the next day, right? But the player said, we picked, you know, we had to choose the the best option of the worst options, essentially, mm-hmm. because um, he said, if we had to go the next day, not one of our players would have slept, right? Even regardless of seeing Erickson's face and knowing, okay, we think he's okay, he's, he, he's up and he's well, let's say, what they witnessed and what they went through, he said, we wouldn't have slept. And yeah. you're like, fair point. Like, it's, it's like, it's shock, right? And I think I think that's what the players were experiencing on the field too. It's like this is a player that I've seen play for Tottenham six or seven years, and you know, as a fan, you get to feel like you know these players, right? But these people, like like you said, the it's a countryman, it's your friend, it's your best mate, like, and and one moment he's literally taking a corner kick. He was fine seven seconds before he went down, like he was running onto a through ball, and it it was just very surreal. And I'm just thankful it worked out the way it did. It's going to be obviously the story of the Euros and story, I think, of football for years to come. And those images of the Danish players, I think, will be kind of like, you know, sports pictures of, of the year. They're just going to be in everybody's mind, I think, for, for many years to come. What's interesting as well, I mean, <clears throat> I know we said the professional football players and they're extremely fit, but he was probably one of the fittest of the fit. Yeah. 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 You know, he's such a good athlete. Yeah. And for that to ha- happen at age 29 is, is bizarre. 
I mean, and, and it's uh, we've all heard those stories before where you get these young, fit athletes, and and they have those issues. They they you know something just is a different trigger within their body that causes these things to happen, and um, you just never know. You just never know. So I mean, that for me lends itself to you know when I see. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say um, something something like that really really brings you back to home as well too. And and you know we're running programs, we're running, we're running um, you know uh, community programs, we're running Phoenix programs, we got teams on fields and things like that. So that kind of puts things and say like, hey, are we up to date with our coaches and things like that about our emergency action plan and what do we have gotten going in place and stuff like that? And are we you know thinking about getting those things and stuff like that? So it really, when you see something like that happen in 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 a professional, you have to you have to tie it into what we're kind of doing as well so it'll be it'll be good to see that um we can now when we get into the summer camps and things like that that we're doing we're we have to uh, we have to put all that information into the 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 um sanctioning of those camps but now we have to make sure that hey we've got that in, in the process for for our coaches and, and whatnot so mm-hmm. yeah and i'm for me it was i was about to say that you know some of the emphasis that gets put on some of these athletes by parents by the, the players themselves as they get older um, to really, you know, understand that it, it's as much as we love this or any other sport, it is just that it's a sport. It's meant to be fun. It's meant to be something you enjoy and that you want to do day in and day out. Uh, we're hoping as, as players, but just always to remember that it's, <laughs> I don't know how, if I, how you say this without saying it, but it's not the be all and end all to life. So there, there are other things that are going to be out there. And as much as we want you to continue playing throughout your life for a fitness perspective, um, I think some of the emphasis for, you know, for parents just needs to shift. So you understand that this game is for your children. It's not your game. It's their game. So you have to let them play it and play it at the level and that the, you know, the abilities that they're capable of and, and, I, I don't know if there was pressure or anything like that that goes into a situation like that. Again, high-level athletes that are professionally paid to do it, and you're playing for your country at that point. I mean, I mean, you can't you can't predict stuff like that. But I, I think just remember in the back of your head that this is still just a game. So yeah, I'll have to take it easy with the walking soccer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I would. I, I'm right there with you. Just I'm thinking of just walking up the stairs, let alone soccer. Well, I mean, we don't know, and there's no evidence to this and, and whatnot, but I, you, you, know, you never know about um, some side effects from potential vaccines. You never know, right? Could that, be, could that have been an, uh, an effect? Um, I've, I've heard from, um, you know, from a nurse friend of mine that, you know, there, there's vaccines that are, are showing signs of, of cardiac arrest, right? But you don't know. We don't know yet what's happening. So I think... Something they announced to you, which I think is probably a positive to keep it to, to keep this situation out of the, we'll just say the political spotlight. Not not that you're bringing up, but just in general, is that he never had COVID, and surprisingly enough, this is the fact that was stated. He hasn't had the vaccine yet either, okay. so he was kind of neutral. Okay. So that's what that was what was stated. Um, I think it was by TSN or, or the club do- or the team doctor, which I was having a conversation with someone. I said, well, it's not a bad thing because, you know, if he did have COVID or if he did have the vaccine, you know, that's going to start coming into the conversation. Mm-hmm. But there's, there's definitely a sense of, you know, I, I think probably for Ericsson, like, where did this come from? Because Italy and England, they've said is a couple of the most strict countries in regards to um, doctors and background checks and health checks and whatnot. So 
Yeah. Uh, I know I read today that he's got fitted with an ICD, so it's mm-hmm. essentially an implantable little defibrillator just to kind of restart his heart if there's an, an off rhythm. So um, who knows if he'll play again? I know that's probably the furthest from most people's mind, but um, the doctors will make that decision. I think it might be tough for any doctor to sign off on that going forward, but I think for him and his family, it's probably thankful he he just he's alive and he's well, right? So I'd yeah. love to see Denmark make a bit of a run and him maybe be well enough to come to the pitch. Like that will be that will just goosebumps for the crowd and everything. That would be awesome. I know on Instagram he he posted a picture of himself in the hospital giving a big thumbs up and uh, mm-hmm. saying that he wanted to say hello to everyone and give them all a big thanks for all the sweet and amazing greetings and messages that he's gotten from around the world and um, that in itself is a is a winning scenario just to see a guy who's who was on the pitch and out of it so yeah. to speak and now he's at least smiling in a hospital and wishing both his team well and the country well and. Uh, and thanking everybody. So that's that's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, last last bit here, DW, it was interesting. They actually knocked the ball out or stopped playing the 10th minute. Um, and the, the fans and the, the players were applauding in the Belgium game. And they said that his hospital room is 400 yards from the stadium. So just kind oh, of wow. a cool story again, yeah, with being in Denmark right now. So pretty cool. Yeah, I can just imagine him lying in bed. I'm sure he's got a TV there as well. But just hearing mm-hmm. the roar from the crowd, because Denmark scored first in the first half, yeah. and it was loud. It was so loud. And, yeah. um, you know, they've gone on to play the game. The game's over, as I said. By the time this airs, everyone will know the score. And Belgium actually came back in the second half and uh, – and won the game two to one, um, but Denmark really showed what they were made of. I think had that first game been played today, and all of this was you know out of the way, would have been a different story. I, I don't think Finland would have been as happy to uh, to meet up against Denmark for sure. Um, hey, listen, we're going to take another quick break here, and when we come back, we'll get into all the facts and. And things that are going on around the world of, in, in football, uh, our Canadian national team, I'm sure we'll have quite a talk about that because uh, they have uh, now gotten themselves into the octagon to, to face all the other top countries for the final round of the World Cup. We've got the women who are trying to uh, qualify for Olympics. That's going on as well as this Euros that's on in the background as we're watching here. So uh, so the octagon, that means the mixed martial arts? Thing? See, well, I, I thought it was the hex, and then yeah, it, yeah, they changed, changed that it. name to, what's it called? Yeah, the octagon. Yeah, it's the octagon, octagon. Yeah, so it is the octagon. But you're right, I've, yeah. I've, I've watched that martial arts movie. <laughs> and f- fun fact about the Copa America. Uh-oh. So... You don't want to save it till after the break? We can gonna, yeah, we can are you sure? It. Yeah, you know. You're okay, okay, okay. Well, uh, we'll be right back. You're listening to Soccer Talk in the Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association. Today's podcast is sponsored by Mr. Lube, taking care of your car on your schedule, not ours. Mr. Lube. And we're back. You're listening to Soccer Talk in the Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association. A little bit heavy in the in the chat in the last segment, but uh, one that needed to be to be said. We've all, you know, we've all got feelings towards players, towards what goes on in the game, and and that type of a scenario is something that you know you want to at least reflect on and and you know sort of applaud the gentleman for for making it through and for all those people that were involved in helping him 
to get through. Um, so let's move on. Let's talk about some of the action in football because it's one of those things where, for me, as soon as that EPL season's over and say the other you know pro league seasons are over, it's kind of like okay, well you can watch MLS now for a while. And there's nothing wrong with the MLS. I even got to the point where I was streaming some of the USL or CPL. games or, C- or CPL or CPL or CPL for sure. And uh, <clears throat> so. Yeah, the CPL is going to be starting up pretty soon. Yeah, um, they're doing it out of Manitoba, right? It's going to be yeah. There's they they put together another another bubble out in Manitoba, so uh, all eight clubs will 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 travel there. They'll play eight games, I believe it is, and um, yeah, it's good for them because they really haven't played a, a competitive match for since the Island Games, right? Yeah. So and it was again a, a shortened version. It wasn't really a season, so. It'd be, it was, I'm going to say, it's, it's a long time, almost a year. Now, once they get through these eight games, are they coming back to try and play in stadiums? They're hoping that that'll open up at that point? They're hoping. I don't think it's been confirmed yet. Yeah. But they're certainly looking at uh, restrictions and that type of thing. Yeah, I'm wondering if they'll actually, if they don't get to that point, will they open up yet another bubble somewhere in the country to or go back to Manitoba if it's gone well? Or stay in Manitoba until... Let's well, go back to Manitoba twice. No. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just sick of the plop of somewhere in the forest and it'll be mosquito hell. They'll spend more on bug spray than anything else. Well, uh, Manitoba. In our Manitoba listeners. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, they can, they, can, they can call in. They can... No, they can't. They can email us, though, and let us know. At where? At office <laughs> at spdsa.net. <laughs> It's all it's all for fun, Robbie Gale and uh, and the Valor yeah, out exactly. there. It's all for fun. Valor, they've got one of uh, my favorite. Uh, love Robbie Gale, by the way. Uh, they've got one of the guys there, Daryl Fordyce. I love the guy to death. Him and his uh, captain, his Darryl. lovely wife, Daryl. Yeah, and they're and they're Bambino, and they're two little dogs. Oh, nice. I never got to meet meet the two little dogs, but anyway, yeah, yeah, good guys all around there. So hey, we, we're also going to talk about um, let's let's start with our national team, our, our Canadian national team, and. And uh, we'll start with the men's program because that's the freshest in my mind at the moment. Um, they've played a ton of games here in the preliminary. Now, I, obviously, they didn't fare well the last time, and that's why they were put into this preliminary scenario with uh, with the, all these other countries yeah, like the Suriname and the qualification part of it. Now, the reason behind that is... It's not that it didn't do well, because um, it did do well. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, but CONCACAF decided to create the hex where the top five countries in FIFA World Rankings would go in automatically, mm-hmm. and then the sixth spot would be a playoff between all the other countries. And they change it halfway through to get to that. Before that, it was just uh, rankings within CONCACAF. And then the FIFA said, no, it has to be FIFA rankings. And there's a difference between the two. Yeah. If it had been CONCACAF rankings, Canada would have been in. But because it was changed to FIFA rankings, they were not in the top five. Oh, man. So then with the pandemic hitting and games getting cancelled, having to shorten the qualification rounds, it's all, even though it's been long, they now created the octagon. And that's why Canada had a better chance of getting in. They didn't have enough martial arts experts, did they? Exactly. exactly. <laughs> the octagon. <clears throat> um, yeah. Okay. And that, and that makes that makes sense. I don't really like it, and I'm sure the Canadians didn't really like it. But they've proved themselves. I mean, it's it's tough. I, I mean, it's competition, but 
and our team is much younger, much, um, they've had a lot more opportunity to choose players that are playing at a much higher level as well. I mean, let's be, let's be honest. This is the best Canadian team of all time. Yes. I mean, talent wise, uh, the amount of players playing in top leagues in Europe, um, more professional players than ever in 86 when Canada qualified last time. The NSL, NASL had folded, so most of the players were playing indoor soccer in the MISL or playing in the, the just trying to get going in the CSL the following year. Yeah. But the, there were amateur players as well. So, you know, this without doubt is the best team we've, we've ever had. Yeah. There's no question about that. Quality, quality, quality. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, John Herdman, uh, Canada soccer savior. Can we go that far? Like, I don't know. You know, he's stepped in with the women's program and elevated it and 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 started a culture. He's now he's doing the same thing on the men's side. And you know, we've said it before, but if you've ever if you ever listened to John Herdman speak, you'd, you'd want to run run through a wall for him, right? So you can only imagine the impact that he's having with the players and 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 the job that he's doing to find you know, you know, Canadians, you know, to find and bring them in. And that's the amazing thing, because there's a lot of names out there that I, I'll be honest, I've never heard of. Mm-hmm. And, and yet these kids are coming into the fold or older players that are being found uh, that have got heritage of some kind in, in, in Canada and now are a- eligible to play. Well, I don't think it's done yet. Uh, mm-hmm. There's still players out there that they're actively looking for. Uh, as soon as John got the job, Right away, uh, Joey Lombardi, uh, which we we all know is his right hand man for a lot of years with the women's program. Now he's moved on to Brampton Soccer Club in Ontario. But his job was to get out there and find any player that has any type of Canadian parent or, or grandparent and get them eligible for Canada. Wow! And he's done that. Yeah. And he's also he's you know he's inherited some very good players that were made in Canada, mm-hmm. uh, developed in Canada, such as D- Davis and David, etc. Yeah, But they, they went out and, and searched high and low, turned all, all stones to try and find these players, and they've done that. Yeah, And it's one hell of a squad. Oh, and um, I'll go on record as saying, I think they're going to qualify. I really do. I think this is the time they're going to qualify for the World Cup since 86. Um, and it's going to be very, very interesting watching these games Hopefully we get one in Edmonton against Mexico in November. Could be a good one. Oh, wow. Wouldn't that be awesome? You know, that's when they're going to play Mexico. Um, But let's just hope. Yeah. Yeah, What thing is like 14 games, is it? Something like that. Yeah, it's a double round robin. Yeah. Against seven other nations. Yeah, I didn't didn't get the... I know that whole element starts, I believe, on July 11th. That is the first round of that group stage... Oh, wait, no, that's no, the CONCACAF Gold yeah, Cup. Yeah, it's, it's September. Yeah. Sep- World Cup is September, yeah. September yeah. 5th is the first game. Is it? Is it the first game? Eh. Yeah. No, 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 September 2nd against Honduras. They play U.S. here on the 5th Yeah. in Canada. So. At, 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 in Toronto, right? They haven't decided well, yet. Well, they haven't decided yet. No, no. I thought for some reason, maybe it was just the announcers speculating that it would be at BMO in Toronto, but uh, it could be anywhere. I mean, the beaten Americans... At BMO, last mm-hmm. last go around, so maybe they'll play there. Yeah, you know. But if we get Mexico in November with Alfonso Davis starting, oh man, will we fill Commonwealth Stadium, sixty thousand people? Oh, in a heartbeat. I think we'd get pretty close to it. Well, there'd be thirty thousand Mexicans trying to get up here. Oh. So. <laughs> <laughs> that was 
the one thing I used to, I mean, anytime they played in Canada before, and I know this was just at, well, it was well after the 86 um, World Cup when, when everyone was there. And we used to, they used to play at Swan Guard. You know, you'd be lucky to squeeze. Well, they would squeeze 7,000 in there if they could. I think the stadium only holds 5,500. And I don't want this to sound like it's a, a slag on anybody, but if you've, anybody's ever been to Swangard Stadium in Vancouver, it's actually in Burnaby, um, there are trees all around the stadium on one side and one end of the stadium. And I tell you, the... People that would be in the trees trying to watch these games, and most of them were the 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 you know the the fans that would come up from other countries, um, would just climb the trees to watch the game because they couldn't get into the building. Uh, it was amazing to watch. Yeah, fans that came from Mexico or from the U.S. or living in, oh. living in Canada, but I mean, yeah. you know, a, a lot of home games were away games. Oh, for sure, back in the day, so. You know, expect there'll be a lot of Mexicans up here to watch that game. Yeah. Uh, but I think this team has generated enough excitement right now that we will get a big crowd, no, yeah. ma- no matter where it's played. Very much yeah. so. Love the supporters in Edmonton. You know, when, when any event, and any soccer event that comes out here, they always, always bring large crowds. Especially um, the big-time stuff. And, 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 and with us actually having the tournament going to be part of Canada in 2026... Uh, that's got to lend itself as well. If we are able to do something before 2022, that's going to be amazing. Yeah, it's 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 a funny situation though. As a player, I'd prefer to have one home base that would be our our home home pitch. Sure enough, yeah, that you makes know, sense. get used to that. Yeah, to get used to it, and you know, like Wembley in England. Azteca Stadium in Mexico. Yeah, you know, we have BMO Field, which is our national stadium. Mm-hmm. We should be comfortable in there, and that should be our, our home. That's our fortress. We don't lose games there. And it's a proven formula. If you win all your home games in World Cup qualifying, you've got a very, very good chance of qualifying for the World Cup. Yeah. So we have to win all of our home games. Yeah. And then pick up points on the road to get there. And those are the tougher games, obviously, the ones on the road. When you go to those countries that are not too nice to you, you get yeah, the bit, Central American countries, right? Like, you know, going into Costa Rica, oh. Panama, and El Salvador, things like that. People out in front of your hotel making noise all night long, or, you know, you get stuck with poor food, poor everything, you know? Yeah, and then they come to Canada and we roll out the red carpet. Yeah, and of and course, you know, anything else. Like have them get civic, you civic receptions and, <laughs> and yeah. banquets and hold. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, that's, how do you how do you not, it's it's who we are. Yeah, it gets, so it makes sense to, you know, not play all the games at BMO. Uh, get the Mexicans here in November yeah. at minus 10 degrees on oh my God. a frozen, on frozen turf. <laughs> uh, Commonwealth Stadium pitch. Wow, that I I I'd love that. I I I get to go. I'm, <laughs> I'm here. I live I, here. I don't now. know. I don't even. I can't even remember the last time that I've actually watched live a, a men's national team uh, game. Um, the last the last games that I've watched live was the the women's national team at the World Cup. And yeah, saw some of that. Yeah, like it'd be amazing. It'd be amazing to get one game. Uh, amazing yeah, to I, get something. I was at the the US game in Toronto when we beat them, and it wasn't. A, massive crowd it was it was okay but it, it was special so i'm looking forward to those games yeah um 
In fact, I looked. I looked at when we play in the U.S. I wouldn't mind going down to see them play against the U.S. down there. So, yeah. Well, I mean, where would they play that game? Do you think in the states? It oh, there's so many it venues. Could play it could play anywhere. Yeah. Could I think anywhere. they'll avoid Chicago because that's where they just played. Yeah. Uh, Canada's played there, and they're familiar with it. And they might avoid that. Yeah, just love how uh, he's just he's just done such a good job to tie everything out, yeah. out tie everything together, right? Like they yeah. picked Chicago because of the of the history of the Chicago Bulls and they've and 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 the championships that they've won there, and and they kind of tailored their preparation throughout that, right? And but let's talk about the 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 results. Clean sheets, clean well, sheets, I mean, clean sheets. It's it's it's. If you look in the last four games, they've scored fifteen goals for zero, zero against, yeah. conceded zero. And what's interesting, I think everyone thought that at centre back uh, uh, is their weak weak spot mm-hmm. right now. Right, there's not a lot of good centre backs compared to previous years mm-hmm. where there was no attacking players. Where we've gone the complete opposite. Yeah. So to have those clean sheets is, is great. I mean, that's obviously because the coach is well has organized the team well. Yeah. And they don't give it a lot of chances. Uh, although that one game where they hit the crossbar in the first mm. minute, uh, we had Haiti, yeah. was a bit bit dodgy. But if that had gone in, then it's a different game, right? But, yeah. you know, I mean, credit where credit is due. Um, first, the players. I mean, they, they need all the credit because they've they've done their job and then, Obviously, John Herdman and his coaching staff have prepared them well, got them bought into a system, got them bought into being a group that's going to lead Canada to some success. Yeah, you know what? And I, I was, I mean, I've got friends. We all, we both have friends. We all have friends that have, have been with that national team, both the women's and the men's side of things. And just, you, you were just alluding to the organization and how prepared um, John Herdman is with his with his staff and his teams. It's just incredible to see. Absolutely incredible to see. Yeah, um, it's been amazing. It's been amazing too because throughout the the last year, you know what, Canada Soccer and his coaching staff have taken the opportunity to put on um, webinars, and you know, I'm sure Sean has been on them as well too. Is is, is they 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 deepen they they go into a deep dive of their you know, their playing philosophy and, and, you know, as a coach, as, as somebody that, you know, you know, wants to progress in, in football and you get a, you get a, you, you get to learn some of the, the ideas that, that are going in your national program it just helps you buy in just a little bit more. And you, and, and you feel for those guys, you want those guys as much as you do as a fan. Because you feel a part of it. You feel a part of it. When, and you, when and you go through those seminars and hear him talk, you feel a part of it. You yeah, feel like you're part of his staff, even though, oh yeah you know, I eat one too many ice cream cones to actually be part of any <laughs> staff like that, but it's just it's just a cool feeling. It's just it, they've they've done a they've done a good job in in in, in outreach and and mentorship and all that stuff. It's just been just been fantastic. So now the excitement will continue for us come September. What about these women? What about the Canadian women's team and how they're in preparations for the Olympic qualifying and and like yeah. we're so close to this actually happening. I, uh, it's it's been a transformation, you know. Um, you know, Bev Priestman has has come in and and she's galvanized the group again, and and they're they're getting results. You know, massive result over England um, a, a few months back, and yeah, two nil, and yeah. and then and then you know the last uh, the last two games to two nil nil draws. However, again, we got that clean sheet factor as well too, right? So yeah, um, I think. I think there's she's still looking to um, piece together how how the attacking you know the attackers are going to work and what is her true um, starting eleven. But I mean you can't really keep Christine Sinclair out of the starting lineup, can you? No, um, and, and I apologize because I, I I 
neglected to print out uh, a copy of the games they have coming up and the sort of qualifying stages that they have to go through for the Olympics here. And I'm a little unfamiliar with it. So do you by any chance know on the on the, the time frames or possible thoughts as to when those games will will you know yeah, I mean, like take they, place? They they've they've played two games. They just played two games, uh, one versus the Czech Republic. So they what they've been doing is that she's just trying to finalize her squad, right? Um, she's trying to finalize her squad for for the Olympic qualifiers, and and she had two little um, two games that came up, and um, I don't have a have a timeline on on when the Olympics are, but they are qualified for the Olympics, so they will be there. Um, these are just some preliminary matches. It's the Olympics is a tough one for our coach because they only have eighteen players. You know, they have to really cut down the squad to those 18. There'll be players that have been involved with this squad for years will will not make the cut, right? So hopefully they get another another medal. They've had, you know, two in a row. Let's make it three in a row and uh, do us proud. Yeah. And a squad with depth, just like you're saying, right? There's there's depth there. There's, there's some quality players. You've got players that are playing in... in um, the Super League in 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 England now. You know Janine Becky signed again for Manchester City, and and you've got now more players. You know going into Europe, and you know Jesse Fleming again just won um a league title and um and was just in the women's uh, women's Champions League, and and you know those stories need to be told, and more more female soccer players need to to know about these things, right? So to have um, Bev in there and, and and to see the work that she's doing and to see, you know, the upcoming uh, Julia Grosso and, and Nichelle Prince and, and, and those type of players and Ashley Lawrence, like, can you speak more good things about Ashley Lawrence? She's absolutely fantastic, right? So, yeah, it's good. And then they got some more coming up in the ranks, right? Yeah. So... It's nice to see them all go... There's a lot of our top-end players are now playing in Europe, of course, and, mm-hmm. and playing for the the top flight teams in France, top flight teams in England, and uh, being part and parcel with those groups, uh, you're, you're going to have a choice of players and a, and a quality choice of players too to to make that side. But as you were saying, Sean, it's not going to be an easy task. <laughs> not at all. I think we got a very tough group as well. Yeah, I mean, just from a coaching perspective, you know, when you have to say to a player, you haven't made the squad, that's more difficult than saying to a player, you're not going to start the game, mm-hmm. but you'll be on the bench. Yeah, that's okay. You'll but you say, yeah, you're not in the squad. You're not going to go to the Olympics, which is a once in a lifetime opportunity for most people. Well, for very few people. Yeah, but for sure. For players that are involved in the game at a high level, uh, that's a difficult thing to do. Yeah, I, I, I don't envy the, envy the anybody the task of that or having to find squads yeah i mean you know you you got to play you know the host country japan in your first game um you know in 2015 we're we're in the uh world cup final you know and um and then you're going to go into their backyard and have to have to perform in the first match in the opener and then you've got great britain which is you know the pretty much uh, england squad mixed with um mixed with mixed with the other players from the countries in there and and those are going to be two tough matches Right, yeah, for sure. Um, Chile, I'm not quite familiar with Chile and their and their and their female program, but um, everybody's getting better. Everybody's well, getting better, and, and I think that's it. There's a little, there's an awful lot more parity within the women's programs around the world, and and you're starting to see it. I was watching some highlights earlier uh, uh, of of the Spain team playing against uh, Sweden, 
And it was just incredible. Just incredible. The so, Spain team is quite good. They were so good. They some of the so good. some of the technique and the movement of oh the ball God. was just great. So one soccer. Mm-hmm. One soccer has um the Spanish women's La La, La Liga. What La Liga. I, yeah. It, and you La La Liga. La La, La. <laughs> And La, La Liga. La, La Liga. <laughs> it's just incredible. Yeah, it's great to watch. Great it's to incredible. watch. Now, I know we were going to touch on the Euros um, the, going on right now. Fun fact, fun fact Copa America. Uh, okay, go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. So I was listening on the radio the other day, and Derek Van Deest, uh, he's a, he's a, um, a writer and mm-hmm. does a lot of things with uh, within the city. And, and he was going on about, about Copa America and and – Oh, nobody really knows how many times, how how often they play Copa America. It's like every two years, every three years. It seems like Copa America is on all the time. And the last time they played was 2019. Mm-hmm. And normally in, you know, World Cup cycle, it's four years. In a Euro cycle, it's four years. And and then Derek, Derek was talking about, he's like, yeah, well, you know, they decided in 2019 that uh, they were going to do another Copa America in 2020 because Messi was getting older and they wanted him to win something. <laughs> So then, yeah, apparently it's an absolute shambles because they obviously they had to delay it. And yeah, of course. The, the the two countries that were supposed to host um, the Copa America was Colombia and Argentina. Well, there's massive political unrest in Colombia right now. Argentina is dealing with a uh, a hectic uh, COVID uh, situation. So they ended up choosing Brazil, who has the oh, worst COVID situation. Man. Yes, and the Venezuelan team. 13 players tested positive for COVID and oh. had to and had to quarantine. So they had to bring new players in. Oh, it was, yeah. But I think they opened, it, they opened it wide open to the players. They could sub oh, yeah. and bring anybody and everybody in that they needed. Yeah. So there's been some games on TV. Was, How's yeah. that preparation though? Okay, you get the phone call. You have to be at the airport at 6 a.m. tomorrow morning <laughs> to come and play in the Copa. <laughs> You've made the national team. Oh, man. Well, that's just a scary fact that, you know, they're going to continue to be in the shambles, I guess, <laughs> as far as it goes. I've not seen any of the games yet. I know there's been a few of them that have been on, and and I'm sure they're okay and, and in quality as far as watching. These Euros have been fantastic, but we're actually at a point in time here where we're running out of time on the show. It's been a great show. We can, oh, you don't we wanna, can do some. We can if you, you want. You don't want to talk about the, the Americans winning the Nations Cup or Nations League, whatever it's called, the Nations League. Nation CONCACAF Nation League. Oh, beating Mexico. Yeah. yeah. yeah you, go ahead. Yeah. yeah go ahead. That was it. <laughs> that was, that was it. Yeah, yeah. Americans win. I don't know if they will yeah. on uh, September. We don't. We don't care about that. We we ca- we're we're concerned through and about. Through. Actually, that's interesting. The Gold Cup's coming up. Yeah. But yeah does it sure. really mean anything? Well, now didn't it used to be that the top team was got an automatic berth to the World Cup back in the day? Yeah, they not not the World Cup, Qualified. but they they get to the. Um, What's it called when they all the confederations come together? Oh, okay, confederations cup. Yeah, confederations cup. That's uh, what they get. Uh, automatic birth into yeah. that. Yeah. Okay, the year, okay, year before the World Cup, right? Is that how it works? Yeah, normally. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. Crazy stuff. Well, well you and, know what? And the World Cup is where? Does anybody know? Qatar. 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 Can you believe that? And, Qatar. And so, Are you sorry, talking about Qatar? I'm kind of remember <laughs> when it was. I was having the conversation with you, but the, the World Cup's going to be in Qatar, and they're playing all the games. At night, like like midnight, because the heat is so yeah. bad there. In order to counteract the heat, 
They're going to play all the games Isn't like crazy? crack of dawn in the morning or late, late, late at night. They're supposed to have like air-conditioned stadiums. And so I've heard that. I don't know if, they, what? if that's true. Yeah, They have air-conditioned seats. Seats. Oh, okay. There so you go. So it's for the stadiums outdoors. Yeah. Don't worry each, about the players. Each seat <laughs> is air-conditioned. Oh, Apparently. So. Don't worry about the players There's in the field a, running uh, around uh, in, in exactly. the desert. There's a bunch of jokes <laughs> that could be had there too. Oh, <laughs> but we won't go there. Hey, listen, we're going to wrap things up there. I, I know we, we said we'd touch on Euro. We mentioned Euro a couple times, but, you know, we'll actually, in the next podcast, we'll be further ahead in the, in the, yeah, the Euros and at a point where people really care about it. Just a big shout out, though. It's England versus Scotland tomorrow, right? Oh, ah, wow. So by the time people hear this, though, so who are you going for, obviously? <laughs> England, uh, of course. Yeah. Yeah, can I, can Scotland can Scotland uh, come out and just play free now? I mean, they they dropped points and they lost the first game, but you know, playing a little tight. Can they come and be free and and, and I think they can try. Of course, they can try. It's never free when it's England <laughs> versus Scotland. <laughs> oh, it's uh, a all out battle. Yeah, it'll be a Donnybrook for sure. I can see the. The people hey, are going to smash those English, and, and then the English people saying the same thing. Well, smash those Scots! Yeah, it's it's going to be a crazy day for sure. So, for those of you who are listening, yeah, the game will be over um, by the time you actually hear this. But for those that are going to be watching it, the you know, good luck to both sides. Three-one win for England. Wow, you're actually going to wow. give Scotland a goal. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, we'll yeah. see if that comes to fruition. I'm going with the 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 two nil, <laughs> two nil England. Okay, yeah, that's also nil. fair. Hey, listen, folks, we're going to wrap things up here on the podcast. We want to thank you for for tuning in and listening to us banter and chat football, all things Sherwood Park at the beginning of the show, of course. And um, yeah, looking forward to more football talk in the next episode. So, Sean, thanks for coming. Thanks, buddy. No Miss worries. Lice. D, thank you. Thanks so much. Dano had to leave us uh, midway through, so I, I I will say see you later for Dano. And, um, yeah, all the best to everybody out there. Live life to the fullest. Enjoy the ability to get out on the pitch and, uh, and rock your socks off kicking a ball around. You've been listening to Sherwood Park District Soccer Association's Soccer Talk in the Park. We look forward to seeing you again. See ya. You've been listening to Soccer Talk in the Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association.